What's up, family? You are tuned into Law and Disorder, a podcast where we expose the cracks in our system, agitate for resistance, and collectively build a new world in which all of us can thrive. Law enforcement in this country kills approximately 1,200 people every single year, and yet the names of many are never said or known except to their families and friends. What's more, law enforcement agencies and other state actors harm our community in a myriad of ways that also go unnoticed, like profiling, sexually assaulting, and wrongfully incarcerating our folks. If we don't know what's happening, then we can't fight back. We can't adequately organize a response. So every week on Law and Disorder, we are going to do a roundup of news related to state violence. We hope this segment will serve to expose, agitate, and build the resistance that is needed. This is the State Terror Roundup for the week of August 29th, 2022. Someone called the police on Robert Wilson on Monday, August 22nd for so-called loitering and setting up camp, read setting up a place to sleep, and the Fairfoot police responded to these so-called quote-unquote crimes by shooting Mr. Wilson as he was fleeing the scene. Robert Wilson was sent to the hospital after the shooting. Police have justified the incident by saying they know Mr. Wilson as he had had several prior arrests. Can you hear my eye roll over the airwaves? Source, KCRA 3. The Omaha Police Department in Nebraska plans to trade tens of thousands of dollars worth of expired helmets and bulletproof gear for roughly $3,000 worth, $3, worth of firearm equipment in a deal, get this, with a local tactical shop that has hosted international far-right politicians and an anti-Muslim speaker. Source, Southern Poverty Law Center. A coalition of AAPI groups says the far right is targeting its communities with disinformation. Their study concerns violence against people of Asian descent and how cynical social media actors have shaped a legitimate concern into a destructive narrative pitting Asian and black communities against each other. Several of the social media accounts the report describes as bad actors operate under anonymity and claim to be based in San Francisco. Source, the San Francisco Chronicle. Yo, this is so dangerous. We are allowing white supremacist organizations and right-wing uh, GOPers to sow dangerous divisions between our people. They are capitalizing off of our fear and our pain and our trauma. We must interrupt it anytime we see it. I just posted a Twitter thread yesterday walking us through these dangers and how we can fight back. You can check it out at Cat's Commentary on Twitter. Two former Pennsylvania judges who orchestrated a scheme to send children to for-profit jails in exchange for kickbacks were ordered to pay more than $200 million to hundreds of people they victimized in one of the worst judicial scandals in U.S. history. U.S. District Judge Christopher Conner awarded $106 million in compensatory damages and $100 million in punitive damages to nearly 300 people in a long-running civil suit against the judges. In what became known to as the Kids for Cash scandal, Mark Ciavella and another judge, Michael Conahan, shut down a county-run juvenile detention center and accepted $2.8 million in illegal payments from the builder and co-owner of two for-profit lockups. Federal authorities said Monday they have started a civil rights investigation following the suspension of three Arkansas law enforcement officers after a video posted on social media showed two of them beating a man while a third officer held him on the ground. Arkansas State Police say the agency will investigate the use of force. State Police identified the person beaten as Randall Worcester, 27, of Goose Creek, South Carolina. The video shows one officer punching the suspect with a clenched fist while another can be seen hitting him with his knee. The third officer holds him against the pavement. Source, AP News. The family of a man seen on video being brutally beaten by a trio of Arkansas police officers over the weekend is furious over the incident and would like to see the cops held accountable. A witness captured the footage uh, outside a convenience store in Mulberry, Arkansas by two sheriff deputies and a police officer. The video, which was posted on social media, has had more than 7.2 million views. Source, The Daily Beast. 
Marcus Corey Hughes was killed in an officer-involved shooting on July 14th in Palmer's Crossing community of Hattiesburg. The Forest County Sheriff's Office reported that deputies were there to serve Hughes with a writ of commitment and transport him to a local psychiatric facility. Cops should not respond to mental health crisis. In a recent statement, the Forest County Sheriff's Office confirmed that the deputies involved in the shooting of Hughes, who was living with mental health issues, were not wearing body cameras. Shores, WDAM 7. The family of Timothy Green, shot and killed by an Olympia Police Department officer a week ago, has issued a statement asking the community for prayers and setting out their expectations for the investigation into his death. The family also expresses their longtime fear that the 37-year-old Olympia resident would die at the hands of police. Quote, as a family, we have dreaded the possibility that Tim would meet this very outcome. We have read the accounts of other individuals in mental health crises. We know that people who have mental health issues are at a higher risk of being killed by police, and this is even more so for black men like Tim, the statement said. We have lived with the fear and a deep understanding of the vulnerability of Tim and others like him. We have supported reforms to police training and accountability that should protect the lives of people like our son. We call for full transparency and independence in the investigation into the death of Tim Green. We also want a full accounting for the laws and policies that are required. Only until then can we inch closer toward a measure of justice. The shooting is under investigation by the Capitol Metro Independent Investigations Team. A spokesperson for the team has said no information on the investigation will be provided until it's complete as mandated by state law. But in a story published Sunday in the Olympia, the same woman went on to further uh, say that a knife was recovered from the scene. Just after the fatal shooting, witnesses told a local TV station they did not, in fact, see a knife. The name of the officer who fired their weapon has not been released, of course. Source, the Olympia Tribune. This has been the State Terror Roundup for the week of 8-29-2022. I want to thank the communications team at the Anti-Police Terror Project for their help in gathering the stories for this segment. You've been listening to Law and Disorder, a podcast where we expose the cracks in our system, agitate for resistance, and collectively build a new world in which all of us can thrive. That's it for this episode, family. You can find more information about our topics and guests in this episode's show notes. Law and Disorder is produced at KPFA. That's listener-supported radio on the Pacifica Network. The show is produced by Jesse Strauss and hosted by me, Kat Brooks. Our theme music was composed by Steve Raskin of Fort Knox 5. If you like what you heard, please follow us on social media at Law and Dis. That's D-I-S. And subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Feel free to holler at us about something you heard or send us a show idea at lawanddisorder at kpfa.org. You can also find our content live at 8 a.m. weekdays on KPFA. That's 94.1 FM in the Bay Area. Our show and all of KPFA's programs are funded exclusively by you, the listener. And if you're in a position to support us, please donate today at kpfa.org. Take care of yourself and take care of each other. We all we got, fam. <laughs>